And I need to get back to fundamentals, always. At least I do. So we'll see what the good Lord has in mind. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and for your love. I, lo- I pray, Lord, that you'll use this message for your glory. I pray that the anointing of your spirit would be upon us, be upon me, Lord, to bring this message to your people. Uh, for your glory and your honor, draw us closer to you. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. About a year or so ago, uh, our next-door neighbor, they bought a dog. And, uh, and they have a fenced-in yard. But when they let the dog out, that dog will bark constantly. I mean, am I exaggerating? That dog will bark constantly. Now, it doesn't bother us because where. Well, it would if we had children, young children. I think we'd probably have to have a discussion with the neighbor because the dog on that side of our house, that dog just goes round that fence, the fence, and just barks and barks at everything that moves. Now, some of our neighbors, or at least one in particular, gets very annoyed by that dog. And I thought, thought to myself, I wonder if people get annoyed with me. Yeah. Rudy, that was not in the notes. So I wonder if some people get annoyed with me. You think about that for yourself. You know, do people get irrit- irritated with my actions or my non-actions? You know, and I can honestly tell you that people do get irritated with me. I know it's hard to believe, Susan, but they do. It is what it is. And, and that will come out in different ways with people. And oftentimes, well, not often, but it's the non-actions. You need to be doing more. We need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. Why, why are we doing it this way? Why are we doing it that way? All pastors get that. Oh, by the way, I'm just saying that the new surveys have shown that one out of three pastors are in burnout. I was stunned by those statistics. I was stunned, and yet I really wasn't. Because it's becoming more difficult for pastors for a variety of reasons. And they do have to listen to complaints. It is what it is. And some of them are very deserving, and some of them aren't. So I'm just saying that... uh, So annoying is is a thing that all of us go through. Quite frankly... I'm sure for all of you here, then at some time, you guys are annoying. I mean, not to me. You guys are spot on all the time. But we all tend to annoy people or irritate people at some time or another. That's just the way it is. By turning to the Bible, we can learn more about ourselves. So I want us to look at first, I want us to look at Luke 6, uh, verses uh, 43 and 45 says... No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not uh, pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in what? In his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Luke uses the tree illustration as a reminder 
of the importance of character. If a tree is unhealthy, it's going to produce unhealthy food or fruit. If you look at verse 45, it says, if the heart is filled with, with good, good things will come from the heart. If the heart is filled with evil, then evil things are, are going to come from the heart. The mouth will speak evil. It is what it is. Isn't that the truth? And you stop and think about it with people. You know, quite frankly, I've been in churches where, there again, I'm not complaining, Dewey. I'm not complaining. But there are some people I see coming toward me in church. I want to walk the other way. Because everything comes out of the mouth is always a negative, whatever, whatever, whatever. You probably felt the same way with some people. You'd rather not be around because they complain, complain, complain all the time. And what comes out of their mouth, everything is wrong. Everything is negative. That, is, that comes from the heart. That's what's in our hearts. So people that are extremely joyful, we can say, well, maybe they put up a good front, but it's by their fruits how they live their lives. That's why this tree illustration is so important. Jesus has said, you'll know them by their fruits. You know their character by their fruits. How is your character? How are your fruits today? You know, it's easy to be, be gloom and doom. It's the middle of January. It's cold out there. We get ice on the streets, etc. But where are we in our faith? Where are we after Christmas? How do you feel after the holidays? Do you feel good about God? Do you feel excited about him and want to share him and all the good things that God gives us? We should. Because God never changes. The Bible tells us God is the same always. And therefore, though we are, we are not, we are human, we kind of tend to go up and down, up and down, but God wants our faith to be basically balanced in the good times and the hard times to be balanced. So hopefully today we're going to be looking at that a little bit. So my first thought that I want to share with you today is, is honesty and repentance. Honesty and repentance go together. We really cannot separate them. But they are so, so important as we pull them together. We could probably add not only honesty, repentance, but also humility. Humility. So honesty, let's look at Micah chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and establishes my right. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. See, in Malachi, and, and during his time, Israel went into exile. If the people had confessed their sins and they were really wallowing in disobedience, then God would have forgiven them and brought them into the light of his righteousness according to the word. So it's always if, if we were turned to God 
And that has been the theme for 4,000 years in the Bible. You look at the Old Testament, it was disobedience in one form or another all the way through. If only, if only, if only they would turn to their God and repent. If only, if only today, if our world, our country and people would just turn to Jesus Christ and repent and be honest with themselves, what a difference that would make, wouldn't it? In our faith, in our world. Honesty, for me, honesty and repentance build a stronger marital relationship. I'll just start there as an example. I tell you, there's not a perfect marriage. I certainly don't have a perfect one, but one thing that we have, we have honesty and we have repentance. We're honest with each other, and when one of us blows it, which usually it's Jan. <laughs> Is she laughing? Is she laughing? You know, you know, that, you know, we'll say, hey, I'm wrong. I made a mistake. Forgive me. Be honest. Or God, hey, I'm not treating Jan right. This is wrong. I forgive me and help me to treat her the way you want me to treat her. And she did the same thing to me. So that has built, for us at least, if I'm doing a marriage seminar about myself, I'm putting that right, on, right at the top of the list. Honesty and repentance in relationships. And you follow that through. Uh, honesty and repentance builds... What it does, it builds a stronger relationship with God. Because the standards of honesty, my friends, come from God who is truth. God is our measure for honesty. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later on. Verse 8, though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Verse 9, I will see his righteousness. In Micah's day, honesty was where because the people forgot God. They were so obsessed with greed and power and wealth. Listen, when we make a mess of things, being honest with God brings what? It brings forgiveness and draws us closer, closer to the light of God's love. Honesty is it. You need that. I remember, how about you, when you became born again? When suddenly Christ came into your heart, how did you respond to that? I can only respond for what, for me. And that was honesty and repentance became my theme. I spent probably God, the Holy Spirit, for weeks worked with me about all my stuff that he needed to clean up within me. All the bad stuff in my life, all the things he brought to my memory to say, hey, what about this? You need to clean that up. God's right. I need to clean this up. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Help me to clean it up. That was a constant theme for me in my life. Honesty. I'll give this one to Becca. Okay, I know that you like Frank Sinatra and and some of the old crooners. But what about Billy Joel? Honesty, would he say honesty is such a lovely word? 
And it is such a lovely word because it's a game changer. When we are honest, when we're really honest with ourselves and with God, what a difference that is. I, I spend so much of my day, I've been a Christian for all these years before some of you were even born. And I'm, I'm being honest with God. God, I got some bad thoughts going on here. Help me to clean them up. You see, the thing is with God, you cannot hide these things from him. He knows. He knows. So I figure if God knows my thoughts, what I'm thinking, then I can't. I, you can fool me. I can fool you. But we can't fool God. So why not confess them? God, I blew it. God, I'm not thinking right. I need some help here. Help me to figure this out. I'm, I'm not there. I'm somewhere where I shouldn't be. Help me, Lord, figure it out. That keeps, that keeps me, uh, it helps me keep my balance with God. When he says, you know, Danny, you, you, know, you can't hide from me. You can't hide this from me. I think the more we really truly seek honesty with God, the Holy Spirit convicts us and will use us and enlighten us to be more than what God uh, has, uh, wants us to be. And it builds, builds humility. One of the biggest things about ministry with pastors is humility. Sometimes they think too much of themselves. Listen, if enough people tell you that you are good, you are great, you're going you're to look in the mirror, you're going to start thinking, I must be pretty good. I must be great. You know, God has a way of knocking us down, doesn't he? He has a way of doing that. Humility is such a wonderful thing. I think of Jesus. Humble than Jesus. The Son of Man comes to this earth to dwell among what? Us imperfect people. The perfect becomes imperfect for us, for his glory. Humility is a good thing for all of us. We should never lose a church, never lose your humility. All that you have is given to you by Jesus Christ, by God himself. Everything that you have is given, is given to you. That's your, God's given you the gifts that you have. So rejoice in them and never forget where they come from. They didn't come from you. They came from him. Amen? I, you know, this is really going over because I'm hearing amen. I just hear, really? Let's go on to the second point or whatever. Well, I'm just going to drag this out. See, I'm being honest. Maria, I'm just being honest, so I have to, you know, God said, you know, you're not being a good boy right now. But really, it is so important for us to see the importance of, of humility. But you know, my second point is more serious. Sometimes life isn't fair. Let's look at Jeremiah 12, 1 and 2. You are always righteous, O Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet, I would speak with you about your injustice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? And why do all the faithless, I love that. He said, why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and they bear fruit. 
You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. Jeremiah, God gave Jeremiah the hard task of sounding the death alarm against his nation and used their wicked enemies to bring about his wrath because of their disobedience. So the prophet cried in verse 1, Why does the way of the wicked prosper, and why do all the faithless live at ease? He knew that God's justice would eventually come. He knew that, but he wanted it now. He wanted it now. I thought about that. And sometimes we wonder, where is God? Where is God when we're going through the hard times? When God seems silent, where is he? We want fast, convenient answers to our prayer needs. We all do, don't we? We want, these, we want the easy answer. I, I can tell you, family after family that I've ministered to, they are praying, we've been praying, we've been praying about this, this need, and they want it now. And you know something? So do I sometimes. We all do. We want it. We want it now. We don't want to wait. And look what happens when we do. You know, if I gave you this microphone or whatever, and I said to each one of you, could you share with me some of your hurts and your pain? We could, we, wouldn't we, we'd be up here all day long because we all have them. We all have them as Christians, we have them. Our closest friends, she's going through dementia. I've mentioned her before. And the thing about Sandy was she's the one that really brought mentor Jan into the faith years ago. And Sandy was, God gave her, gave Sandy Petrolli the gift of wisdom. She was so knowledgeable when it came to the word of God, and she was a student of the word of God. Her Bible studies, if you want to, her Bible study, they were deep. So Jan and Sandy did Bible studies together for, for years. Jan, they were like, like Sandy was really deep, not that Jan can't be deep. But Jan was more the practical of the study, but Sandy's more the cognitive, very, very deep, you know, in her Bible studies. I went through all this education in religion and philosophy and all of that, but through the years, when I had problems or I had issues, when I wanted to say, you know what, I need another opinion about the faith of theology, I went to Sandy Petrelli. She's that smart. And God used her. But today, my friends, she didn't even recognize me. And when you're dealing with, with friends and you see her husband, he's going through, it's like a death. You see your wife, he's seen his wife dying each and every day. A woman that was so elegant, a woman that was, I used to tease her, Years ago in church, she always wore these fancy hats. She was a fashionable lady. And we were such good friends, I, I'd tease her about her hats. And, she, and the way she dressed and her makeup, everything was just always so. Wasn't it, Jan? Always. 
Not so anymore. Jeans and sweatshirt. A hair that hasn't looked like it's been probably combed in three days. Not putting her down. We prayed and we prayed over Sandy. Guess what? She is not improving the way that we want. Why, God, why? She loves you. She loves you, Lord. She brought so many people to the faith. Why does this have to happen to her at such really a young age? How do you pray and praise God when a woman would drive into your drive, my driveway and couldn't figure out how to get out and what street to take? So we prayed and prayed and prayed as you have prayed and prayed for a loved one in a situation, and it didn't turn out, it did not turn out the way that you wanted it to turn out. And sometimes with the Pentecostal movement, people will pray and say, I know that God told me this, but he didn't, and it didn't turn out. Sometimes we need to just be discerning about what we pray for, because if we go down the wrong path of prayer, it can destroy your faith in your God. Sometimes we do not know why God does what he does. It's not a matter of how strong your faith is. It's just a matter of God is going to be God. Sometimes healing doesn't happen because he wants you to grow in your faith. Or there's a lesson there that he wants you to learn. Learn it in the name of Christ. Learn it. Sometimes we lament. Why? Why? Why, why all the pain? We lament. Why? why is life so difficult? We lament. Why? Why, Lord? Why is life so unfair? In reality, life isn't fair. There are no guarantees here, no matter how strong you are in your faith, no matter how you pray about this, there are no guarantees. And you know why? Because the Bible says this. We talked about this. We are in a fallen world. You are healed of, of, a, of a disease. And you say, God saved me. Well, guess what? You're still going to die. You're still going to die. In 1996, I was miraculously healed from a heart situation. I should have died. But guess what? I'm going to die. Unless Jesus comes again, I'm going to die. And so are you. Because we're always reminded that we live in a world of, that's in darkness. That's where we are. We are already, but we're not yet. Meaning we're already in Jesus. We are, yes, Jesus heals. Yes, we see miracles from the Lord. I'm not denying that. But at the end of the, the, end of the day, life is not prosperity theology. You can't just name it and claim it in my world of theology and think that's always going to work. It's not. Because if you think that it is, you will be disappointed somewhere along the line. Because God is God. This world is not the perfect world. Amen? All of a sudden, we got so serious here. 
you guys need to lighten up. So I just wanted to share that with you. You know, some you know, sickness, people die. How about you? Maybe you're going through some bad stuff today. Maybe you are fighting and struggling with issues in your life. Wondering, what, how's God going to answer this? You know, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a health issue. Whatever it is. Or how about with what uh, Jeremiah talked about? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Why do the wicked prosper? Why is it? How many times have we seen, maybe we say, Lord, I go to church every Sunday. I pray every day. I read my Bible. I believe in you, Jesus. But my neighbor, this guy never goes to church. And he laughs about my religion. Says, I'm a Jesus freak. And yet, everything seemed to fall into place for him. He's, he's prospering. And things are going good for him. And look at me. I'm struggling. Do you ever feel that way? You see, maybe something's going good for a neighbor that could care less about the faith, and you were just struggling each and every day. What is it? A couple weeks ago, Betty White, the actress, died. Almost 100 years old. She would have been 100 years old mid-January sometime. And sometimes we think, golly, wouldn't it be nice to live to be 99 years old? Or 100, 101, 102. But guess what? That's so, so rare. We're not going to live that long. Probably. Are we? But we keep struggling. All we need to understand, what I'm saying is this. God is in control. God knows all things. He knows what we need. And he also knows when we need a kick in the pants. He will do that. So we need to trust Trust, trust, trust in him each and every day, regardless of how tough it gets. We need to trust. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I'm giving you the third point, and hopefully at the third point we can regather ourselves and uh, we can put all this in perspective. And I want to talk about honesty and doubting. And as I talk about this, I'm going to share with you a story that all of you, most of you are very familiar with, but boy, it's got so many nuggets in it that to help us and really has helped me. And that is, we want to look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 25 through 39. And here, Elijah was confronting the prophets of Baal. So I'm going to read this. It's going to be take some reading here, but follow along with me. But really, and then we're going to kind of break this story down. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls prepared and, and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted, But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he is in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears 
as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it, a large, large enough to hold two uh, measures of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. They did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophets, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things you at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And then verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. (laughs) The tired and frustrated prophets And they were tired and they were frustrated. They prayed until evening for Baal to light the fire and burn their sacrifice. In the meantime, what's Elijah doing? He's taunting them. You know, maybe Baal, your God, is in deep thought. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's asleep. You need to maybe wake him up. But Baal, the prophet, didn't show up and burn their sacrifice. And then Elijah gathered the people together, and he repaired the altar using what? With four stones representing each tribe of Israel. Then he put wood over the stone of the altar. And then he cut up, laid the pieces of the bowl, the offering, over the wood. Then dug the trench. And then he dug the trench, and then what did he do? He took four large jars of water and poured it over the wood and the sacrifice. And it filled what? It filled the trench. And then what did he do? Then he stepped forward, Elijah, and he prayed. He prayed. And the fire of the Lord... Consume the sacrifice. 
The fire of the Lord consumed the sacrifice in front of thousands, probably, of people. And those false prophets, they were all day long, they were driving themselves crazy trying to convince their false God to really to disincinerate that sacrifice. Not Elijah, he said, my God's going to do this. And his God did. Verse 39. Are you with me? Verse 39. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then if you look at verse 40, God commanded the people to kill the 450 prophets of Baal. In this story, we see a great example of Elijah's What? His faith and his humanness. His faith and his humanness. Now, in chapter 19, after a death threat from Ahab, King Ahab, his wife Jezebel, what happened? Elijah fled out of fear for his life. See, that death threat was on him. Jezebel said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. So Elijah, after experiencing all of this, he ran. He basically, he just, he just ran, didn't he? Okay, let's look at uh, 1 Kings 19, 9 and 10. There he, Elijah, went into the cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Elijah speaking here. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What a whiner. Wasn't he? He was just, he was just whining. What was God doing here? God was challenging him. He was challenging him. Elijah, why are you here? What's going on? What are you afraid of? Oh, well, he's afraid he's going to be killed. Consider this, my friends. He had just recently experienced a mind-boggling, supernatural miracle experience that told him that he could trust God. How could he not? How could he not trust God? One minute he sees this miracle, and the next minute... He's hiding in a cave because he's afraid he's going to be killed. But aren't we all, aren't we all cut out of the same cloth as Elijah? Aren't we? Sometimes we experience something great from God. We know it comes from him and we rejoice. We're happy. Our faith is strong. We think we can go through a mountain for Jesus. And then a week or two weeks later... You know, we pray for a a prayer need and we doubt that God will answer. 
That ever happened to you? It's happened to me. It is what it is because we are human. We are still human. Faith and humanness. That's it. We're in and out. However, like the father, listen to this, like the father of the boy who is demon-possessed and healed by Jesus, we can also say for Mark 9.24, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You see, sometimes, sometimes honesty requires us to confess our doubts to God. God, help me overcome my unbelief. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm not always there with God. Sometimes I'm like Elijah. I'm down here. After all these things I've experienced that I know in my heart and my mind, but sometimes Satan gets in there and he just kicks me around. How about you? I'm not good enough. I can't get over this, this situation that I'm involved in. I've had a lousy life. I've done bad things. You know, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling there. God, would God ever help me? Is God there for me? Boy, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't think he really cares about me. You bring that to your God. Just what I just, you bring it to him. Bring those thoughts to him and he will change you. God, help me overcome my unbelief here. Help me overcome my weakness here. Help me overcome my doubt here. Help me, God. I'm calling out to you. And he will answer. Because I believe this is what Jesus Christ wants from us. In our moments of weakness. Yes, honesty is such a lovely word. Maybe there's some here right now, they're just struggling with doubt. Doubt if God's in there. Doubt, 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 they doubt if God's real, whatever it is for you. If you're struggling right now and you have doubts, God is here for you. God wants to help you overcome your doubts. God wants to help you overcome whatever you're going through, your pain. That's what he wants. My question to you would be this. Do you really want it? Do you really want it? See, that's to me is that one of the beauties of God is he knows our hearts. He knows if we're sincere or not. If we really want it, if we really want healing, whatever it is, he will do it for us because he's God. That's what God does. He loves us so much, but he wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to be true. Lord, I pray for a brother and sister here today that maybe they're struggling with, with, with some issues of, of doubts and 
struggling with even being honest with you, Lord. Lord, you know what their needs are, Lord. I pray you just open up their eyes through your Holy Spirit that you will convict them, Lord, that you love them, that you want them just to be so honest with you so that you can heal them from whatever it is that is just tying them up in knots. We thank you, Lord, the boy that you love us, warts and all. We can be this, the scum of the earth, but Lord, in you, Jesus, by turning to you, you make us kings of the earth through you, through your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. David, there, many times he would say to the Lord, God, why, why is this happening to me? When are you going to show up? And paraphrasing. And then at the end of the chapter, he would say, praise be to, be to God. And praise be, and, and blessed is the one who trusts in him. So I feel